0: Well, welcome to the journey, uh, Jerry. Jerry Gilmore, and yes. uh, I know we have known each other through church, and, mm-hmm. and oh, primarily church. And I know you've been to a couple of different SOS events and a couple of things that yes. uh, that I've been involved with. But um, so, Jerry, if you could uh, maybe before we get into your story, and and you've mm-hmm. had a pretty fascinating story, um, uh, if okay. you if you could maybe just share a little bit about. Um, who you are and, and your background, but also um, maybe before we get into all that, just what do you do for fun? If you have an opportunity to have fun, what do you what do you do? Because I know there's some some changes that just recently happened so that that changes things.
1: Well, yes, I am retired. Um, so I had a gun shop and I sold that. Uh, I sold the inventory, sold the building, retired from that. Um, I like reading books. I like um, listening to music. I like hiking. okay. Um, I'm not a big sports fan. I used to shoot trap, skate, kind of got away from that. Um, My eyes are not as good as they used to be, so I don't do it well. Sure, sure. So it's not fun. Um, But I do those kind of things. Um, I used to bicycle. I've had heart issues, so I don't do that as much as I should now. Okay, okay. Um, But, uh, yes, as I've gotten older, I now have other things that are failing. (laughs) (laughs) But I do enjoy more sedate things, you know, and, and... being with friends going out to dinner or whatever lunch kind okay. of things um, volunteering for stuff at church
0: okay and so if we looked at your bookshelf or looked at your books what what types of is there a certain genre book that you are most likely to read or what it, what it, what would you find what would what would we find
1: I, I like murder mysteries
0: murder mysteries okay i like
1: murder mysteries i like the old agatha christies are great i okay. have read a lot of jane austen and other stuff i read some Other fiction. Okay. Um, I do read some religious fiction um, because I do have a a heart that goes to faith. Okay. Um, I mean, I read my Bible and I read other things that pertain to that too for daily devotionals, Mm -hmm. but I read a lot of... Murder mysteries and fiction on some unusual authors. I guess I've come across. Sure. Not sure. a big Stephen King fan, but no. I have some similar. <laughs> okay,
0: some some similar yes. authors to Stephen King. Okay. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, uh, tell us a little bit about are, are you are you from the Rockford area? Or?
1: No, I grew up downstate Illinois. Paxton, Illinois, is where I went to school. Small farming community. Okay. Um, worked and lived for a while in Champaign-Urbana, okay. um, moved further south to Mattoon area where I went to school for automotive profession. Um, and I lived and worked in Mattoon and in the Charleston area. Okay. My daughter lives just east of Charleston, Illinois, in Ashmore, a little bitty town of, I don't know, a couple hundred people. Okay, She works for the Charleston school district now. She's 36. Um, she's a school school teacher no she works she's the, the office manager or whatever for, okay. for the school for school district in a middle school there oh I see okay yeah. yes okay. Um, but that's you know I met my partner um, over 30 years ago or about 30 years ago now um, at a thing in Detroit Michigan um, and she was a county officer in Winnebago County, I could leave my job and change jobs. It was harder for her. She's closer to retirement. Sure, okay. And so I moved here. Okay, gotcha. yes.
0: So, um, so from down down uh, downstate. What, so who? How was Jerry in high school and in middle school, high school, growing up? Well, let we sure first ask uh, mom, dad,
1: any siblings. I have a brother who is in Jacksonville, Florida. He okay. moved there over 30 years ago. Older, younger? Uh, younger. He's five years younger than I am. Okay. Um, my father lives in Jacksonville area now. He moved down there with my mother when she, was, um, when she was, came down with dementia. Um, he moved there so he could be closer to one of us. He debated between Rockford or Jacksonville. Okay. A little more infrastructure with my brother since his kids were both there and his wife was there to help take care of my mother. Okay. Um, my partner had passed away, so I was here by myself, and it was warmer down there. Sure. So sure. he chose to move to Jacksonville. So dad is 91, still in, in the Jackson, that, that area. Um, he's like a few blocks away from my brother. Okay. <laughs> so agree. it's it's easy for Dave to, t- to keep an eye on him. Sure, um, sure. But, uh, but yes, yeah. So, um, that's family, and my daughter is in, like I say, downstate, um, what was I in high school? Squirrely kid. <laughs> I mean, I was a, a, a geeky little squirrel. <laughs> Good at, at mechanical stuff. Okay. Um, you know, that kind of thing. Lousy at sports. Played in band. Okay. Um, Right. Not well, but I played. <laughs> okay. And you said
0: um, Paxton was the town or was that the high school? Or was it both? It was both. It was both. Okay. Yeah. And how big is Paxton? How big is?
1: 5,000 people.
0: Okay. So the school is small.
1: School was pretty small. Then we had 105 people in my graduating class. Okay. A total of about 500 in the whole school. Oh, Okay. Yeah, okay. not, not real big.
0: Yeah, not real big. But, yeah. you know, for some schools, you know, around here, yes. it would be like in the outlying areas of the Rockford area. Um, yeah. Yeah, more more rural areas yes. around here mm-hmm. are, have yes. a, have a smaller schools. And so was there was there a big, you said that you didn't play sports, so was there an emphasis on sports in that particular school? Um, or was it, because uh, some schools, if they have a, a tradition of winning um, at smaller schools, then that becomes... Everything, and um, or or was it just no, well, that?
1: They don't think they had a tradition of winning, but they did have you know a big a big impetus in playing football, basketball. You sure. know, not much other than that. They didn't have a lot of funding and participation for it in the minors. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. yes.
0: So then, uh, graduate from high school. What year did you graduate from? Seventy one. Seventy one. And then, upon graduating from high school, what what did what did life have? What did you do in life
1: then? Well, somebody thought I should go to college, so I proceeded to go to college for a semester and drop out of that one. Go to another one for a semester, drop out of that one because I didn't want to be in any of those. Okay. And,
0: and <laughs> so I'm assuming parents wanted you to be. Uh, yes. wanted you to do the college thing. My, my
1: father knew that I should be going to college. Okay. You know, right. and I'm like, no, I don't need to be going to college. Yeah. yeah. A lot of underlying issues that were an influence in my life.
0: Yeah. You know, and I. Th- you know, it's interesting about that is, um, you know, this idea, right? Mm-hmm. And, and yesterday we were listening to a sermon, and it talked about yes. um, uh, uh, Zechariah uh, that he spoke uh, spoke into. Is it Mike? Am I getting the name right? Yeah, Zechariah mm-hmm. um, spoke into his son, um, John the Baptist, that he was going to be. A great prophet.
1: Yes, and
0: yes. in this idea of having a calling and having a purpose that had been um, bestowed through his father to him. Yes, and in it was illustrated in in Luke how powerful how powerful that can be, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, and then. But then sometimes we have parents mm-hmm. who um, may speak with a level of authority <laughs> about yes. doing something, but yes. maybe not out of the same God space when that happens. But maybe out of some other place.
1: Well, I, I think my father had a desire that I do better than he did. Mm. You know, like most parents, we want they all want their children to be better, sure, to do more with themselves, make accomplish more. I was dealing with gender dysphoria, Mm -hmm. and nobody knew it. We didn't talk about it in the 60s and 70s. That Mm -hmm. wasn't something you talked about. I Mm -hmm. learned early on that people laughed at someone that had gender issues. Mm -hmm. Um, From during a a family thing, uh, laughing about Christine Jorgensen, I think, back in the mid-60s and early 60s, and it was like, so we don't tell people. So I tucked that away Mm -hmm. um, and didn't really know how to deal with it. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do to be when I grew up. I'm still not sure. (laughs) Um, But I was good at fixing cars. So it was finally after dropping out of this school, failing at that school, failing at another school, um, I got a job in a factory for a while. I got a job servicing new cars at a dealership for a while. I went to another factory assembling machines for a while. Um, the drugs at that point in time, I wanted to do those more than work. <laughs> so I just, I mean, I was lead assembly mechanic at Baltimore Air Coil in Paxton, Illinois, mm-hmm. and I walked out the door. I'm like, nah, I'm not doing this. <laughs> okay. And I had fun doing drugs, selling drugs. Um, I had fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Then I decided, okay, you should probably be a little more responsible than this. Mm -hmm. Um, Went to Lakeland Community College in Mattoon and expanded my skills as an automotive technician and moved into that field and just did it. And Mm -hmm. it was an existence. It was something to do. Um, And
0: and made some money. Now, did you leave? Made money. (laughs) Did you live independently at that
1: time? Uh, Off and on, yes. I mean, my dad had a place in Mattoon that he had a little Christmas tree farm was the plan for the retirement, mm. um, for his retirement. Mm-hmm. So my brother and I both lived at a little farmhouse. At the time, they had a little bitty farmhouse there. Um, they took it, sold and moved that house and built a new one. But we lived there for a while off and on, and then I got a, a farmhouse of my own. I rented. I had a couple of different places that I rented mm-hmm. um, before I ultimately got married the first time. Um but yes, and I—I I mean, I went through Lakeland. I had—I worked at a shop in Charleston, okay. um, all the time keeping myself numb with drugs. <laughs> when did
0: when did drugs come into it? And and when did, what? At how old were you? At what time period was that? And
1: Nineteen I, years old. Okay, I was. I I found marijuana. It found me. Okay, um, and that kept me numb. <laughs> okay, uh, it it numbed the pain of of the gender dysphoria issue it just numbed the pain of life and and okay. um so i did a lot of of i mean we were smoking reefer all the time mm-hmm. um yes amphetamines every now and then downers sometimes never was really good at downers i'd sleep a lot sure. <laughs> sure they knocked me right out yeah um hallucinogens other things um whatever was out there you know we were having fun sure um and it just kind of let me get through life, and I kept myself numb for about thirteen years of life. Okay. Okay. Um,
0: yeah. Going going back when nineteen is when at nineteen, obviously you're out of high school now. Yes. And you're you know some pressure from from your your parents, specifically your dad, that this is what I think you should do. This is yes. what you know. And, and I and I get it, you know. And that <laughs> I I get it as a father of two. I, mm-hmm. I get that we want. Um, you know, we want our kids to be as prepared as they can be, and sometimes there, I think, there is this idea that we may we may see um, doubt in our in, mm-hmm. our in our in our kids, and so we speak into it so that maybe they can believe in something more than what they see.
1: Okay, my father wasn't good at that, and my mother would never say anything. Ah, uh, okay. My mom was quiet. Okay. And um, she never, one way or another, said much of anything, okay. good or bad. I mean, it was just like she was quiet and, okay. you know, dad's the boss. Yeah. <laughs> but my father was not good at, at raising children. Okay. His attitude was, you know, to yell. Mm. Um, Not that he didn't love us Um, because he'll do anything in the world, you know, has for the last many, many years. Mm. Even when I came out with the whole gender issue— Daddy was like, "Well, your family, mm-hmm. period," mm-hmm. and did things to help me. Sure, um, you know he didn't understand it, um, but he did things to help us. But as far as a parent and leading you into education, career, what do you want to do? You got to make up your mind. And mm. it was, you know, it was a lot of um, goddamn it, dumbass. <laughs> what are you going to do with yourself? Sure. Basically, I mean. That was like the over and over mantra that my father would have.
0: Which um, in itself doesn't seem super motivating.
1: No, it it wasn't. <laughs> sure. You know, I, I kind of came out of childhood growing up with okay, a lack of self confidence. Sure. sure. Um you know, some would call it PTSD or whatever, they want to give it a name. It's just a case of that's what he tried to do, it didn't work. Yeah. Um yeah. I survived it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sure so so how roughly if you can remember what age were you uh, coming into this understanding that the the gender you were given at birth was mm-hmm. not what you were feeling something else was going on here when when did that when did that begin
1: about eight years old about eight years old, yeah, yeah,
0: it's awful young to be uh awful young from a standpoint of of beginning to keep a secret
1: and And it's hard to well and it's hard to say that this was my great solution this was an epiphany or whatever it was like that i an awareness of i'm different Mm -hmm. there's something different about me there's something i don't see in other people and i wasn't aware enough of everything to go with a good conscious decision but at that point in time like I said my family was, was together after the holidays we'd been in Japan my father was in the Air Force and we came back from Japan family get together and they were talking about this person Christine Jorgensen who had a gender reassignment a sex change surgery and blah blah and to me it was like maybe that's what's wrong and there's an answer mm-hmm. Of course, when my favorite aunt made a comment about a little nip and tuck, he's a she, and everybody laughed, that was the big lesson. That said, don't tell anyone. Mm -hmm. It's wrong. They think you're weird. They'll laugh at you. They'll laugh at you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Don't tell anyone ever. Mm -hmm. So you tuck it away, and you think, well, I'll get over this. Well... You don't. Mm -hmm. Through school, you try to be normal. Mm -hmm. Um, Drugs numbed the pain when I could finally go out and do something on my own and find those. Um, But it didn't get rid of the problem. The problem only got more and more and more. I thought, I'll try and be normal. I got married. Mm. We had a child. (laughs) I'm working. I'm normal. Until I'm almost killing myself. I mean, I'm on motorcycle thinking about the oncoming trucks, and this is a good solution because this is there's no way out. Nobody will find enough pieces, and this this will end it. And I'm over a hundred mile an hour looking at oncoming trucks.
0: So <laughs> it goes from a hopelessness to a death ideation. Maybe I'm better yes. off not being here. Yes. And now we're yes. looking at a. A plan yes. of how it can happen. So now it's suicidal ideation. Yes. Even if you are making it look like an accident.
1: Yes. Um, okay. Continue. I, the, I have like this, I don't know, I think I have this internal core of self-preservation.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Um, throughout life, I guess, as I look back now being a saved Christian, I look back and it's like the Holy Spirit was working. Mm-hmm. Um because there are things that I would do that were like okay I want to kill myself I want to stop this life but there are other things I would do to stop and not do that and mm-hmm. prevent you know that um I never owned any guns I tried more drugs than I should have that didn't work I'd survive all those mm-hmm. one way or another I mean I'd wake up places I didn't know where I was mm-hmm. um from drugs um and that didn't kill me accidentally. At one point, I was sure I'd never see 30 years old. Sure, sure. Um, Just because of the recklessness of... You know, it's like this, yes, yes, I don't care. I'm doing drugs and we're having whatever. Um, and whatever happens, happens. Mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. I die, cool, mm-hmm. I will not have any more pain. Mm-hmm.
0: You, you've referred to,
1: if, if there,
0: have you been able to name, looking back on it now, have you been able to name the pain? What was the pain?
1: Wow. An emotional, physical combination. Okay. I mean, I'm stuck in a guy's body. Mm-hmm. This is wrong. Okay. I mean, you know, it, it works and I did all that. I mean, obviously I fathered a child. um, But it was just wrong. It was that pain of not being what I thought I should be. Okay. Um. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Wrong parts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How do I change them? <laughs> well, and,
0: but also, you you're talking about you talked about not only at the, an, um, a societal norm mm-hmm. that was 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 closed, right? About yes. a, a, a perspective, a, a one, overhearing one conversation that your family has, yes. about someone that they didn't know and you didn't know, yes, right locked in your psyche yes. of what was not going to be okay. Correct. <laughs> right? So you. So is that? that's all contributing factors to this pain.
1: That is. And, of course, everyone you know, I mean, <laughs> work in the automotive industry. Those are a bunch of macho guys.
0: Sure, sure.
1: Um, I mean, they've got every bad name in the book for men that are gay. Jokes about lesbians anything else that falls in there is just absolutely queer Mm -hmm. sick I mean that the names are horrible Mm -hmm. and they go on and on and you're part of that community Mm -hmm. so your conversations in order to fit into the community you're one of them Mm -hmm. and for a long time I was one of them Mm -hmm. now I'm not Mm -hmm. now I'm one of those one of the bad people that they talk about Um, Society is gradually changing their viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more accepted to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, even in religion, it's hard, organized religion these days. They're having arguments between the sure. Methodist churches split. Our evangelical covenant has had issues. Sure. But yeah. it's like everything in life tells you you're wrong, you don't fit in. Yeah. You're the square peg. Yeah. Trying to be stuck in a round hole, it doesn't work yeah. well. And it and
0: and that, and maybe you can speak a little bit about that because there's you know, there's going to be a, people who listen to this who, who aren't going to understand, mm-hmm. right? And because a lot of times we can, you know, we can understand something based upon um, our own experience, right? But then there's certain things that if we don't have our own experience with, either through knowing someone or mm-hmm. or whatever then we because we have a tendency as humans we have a tendency to be egocentric you know i think the world is is as i look at the world because i see the world a certain way oh then that must be how the world is and and then we so we may not understand something so you had talked about at a young age knowing that something wasn't right not knowing mm-hmm. for sure what that was knowing, getting a clear message that I'm not supposed to talk about this or I can't talk about this. Okay. And then tried, as you said, either in school, in a profession, even getting married, um, uh, having a child, that you're trying to be, as you keep saying, normal.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what people call it, you know, being normal. Yeah. That's our stereotype you know, the society's definition of normal, but it's, it's not. Yeah. Um, it's hard to, to tell someone else that has no concept of, I mean, how do you tell a white person what it's like to be black? Mm-hmm. You know, um, in the gender issue, I've, I've even had people go, well, you can't compare yourself to black people. True, you can't. Because you walk in the grocery store, I know you're black. I walk in the grocery store. They don't know there's anything different about me until mm-hmm. maybe I speak to them, and my voice is a little deeper, and they mm-hmm. look a little closer, and they're like, "Oh, there's something different about you." Mm-hmm. But they, but I've already got inside. Mm-hmm. You know, I I wasn't there wasn't a sign where your color will give you away. Sure, um, I've read some things written by some black authors about that, and the darker you are, they even have their own prejudices. Mm-hmm. Um, How do you describe something that you're experiencing unless somebody has it happen? I've seen things on on television. I've read things about, you know, someone finds out their child thinks they're the wrong gender, Mm -hmm. you know, and this child is 8, 10 years old. They don't understand it. It's it's a hard thing. It really does. I spent a lot of time... um, I used to watch late-night television, Mm -hmm. and Tom Snyder had a couple of people on who were gender, uh, transgender at the time, going through things. So I learned some more about that. I did some research through Johns Hopkins. I got their medical journal Mm -hmm. and (laughs) went through that on what they do for reassignment, what they did back then, which was (laughs) pretty crude. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, I found a lot better surgeon. But it was, it's some you know, but it's not something that people go looking at to learn about. Yeah. We don't teach it. Yeah. If you encounter someone, okay. Mm-hmm. If you see someone who's extreme on television or whatever, well, okay, that might not be the best example. True. Um, so it's hard to explain to someone that's that's going to watch this and go, what in the heck is this? You're right, right. Um, you just, I don't know. It, it's it's hard to, to explain to someone unless you've been somewhere you didn't fit. Mm-hmm, you know?
0: mm-hmm. Well, and and in this particular case, which is you didn't say this, but part of that pain was being somewhere where you don't fit, and it happens to be your body. Mm-hmm. That's
1: every day you get out, walk out the door. I'm a liar.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and, and and at that time, especially when you were a young adult and you first were married, yes. you were living it yes. on multiple <laughs> levels of, of, of trying to, um, be normal, as you, as you said,
1: trying to fit, um, prior to being married, um, I had a little freedom. I had a little choice. Mm-hmm. Once I got married, it was like somebody locked jail doors. mm mm-hmm. Unless you've been in jail, you don't know what that experience is like. I was there once too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a permanent thing. It's like, oh man, I'm not going to get out of here. Mm-hmm. When I got married, it was like, oh, probably not a good decision. Mm-hmm. But because I was raised by a hard head and I can be hard headed, I'm going to try and make it work. Mm-hmm. So I tried to make it work. Stay stoned morning, noon, and night, mm-hmm. 24, or whatever. When I'm awake, it's, I'm. I'm high, whatever else I can find to keep me numb, but I'm gonna try and make it work and be normal, fit in, and move through life. But yes, you're you're lying. you're you can't you can only numb so much of that pain. Yeah. and pretty soon it's like, okay, the drugs aren't working.
0: Yeah. And yes, I know earlier you were telling me about that day. Um, your daughter was about a year old mm-hmm. and the pain of this lie, the pain of mm-hmm. this life <laughs> life right the, the, and, um, and it wasn't even a double life the, this life of a secret yes right and, yes. and, it, and it isn't going away right You're no. not. you can't you can't smoke it away you can't no. you, you can't ride your motorcycle fast enough to make it go away. you nope. can't Nothing. fake it away. No. Right, and you were talking about this time when you were on the road going at a pretty high speed. Yes, and and you picked you picked the vehicle, the semi. Mm-hmm. I think you said semi.
1: Big trucks, yeah, big trucks, semis coming down the highway at me. Um, I had a pl- I had a a path I would take out of Charleston and go east on Route 16. And my motorcycle, I'm well over 100 mile an hour. And I had done it. I had thought about this enough. I had one time I did change lanes, and you know what? At that speed, you're so fast, that truck is past you, and you missed it. Mm. Thank God I didn't hit the back end of it. Um, and it was like, boy, you got a plan better. <laughs> and I started, you know, mathematically kind of counting seconds or whatever and going, okay, you can get here. You could do this. And of course, you do some you go fast, and you think about this. I got a night, and it's like, enough, enough. I can't do this anymore. And I'm going as fast as that thing will go. I'm well over 100 mile an hour. I got a huge Peterbilt dump truck coming. And I'm like, he's big enough. This will work just great. And I kid you not, Kevin, I'm like almost there. And, okay, I call this the Holy Spirit thing, <laughs> a God moment. There's a picture of my daughter, this little 18 month old, <sighs> sitting in the backyard in the sun on a blanket with a little yellow bonnet and a little white blouse with a lace yellow collar and her little Oshkosh bib overhauls and her little sandals with a smile on her face. That picture flashed in my head. And I'm like, I cannot leave this child with that legacy. And so I did not. <laughs> And I would drive east and turn around in another little small town and come back home, where I would park the motorcycle in the garage and go down in the basement and do a couple of bong hits, roll a doobie, and get stoned. Well, this evening on the way home, I come up over a little rise and my motorcycle, high speed shemmy, it started to shemmy. And I'm like, oh man. <laughs> well, I know enough riding bikes how to ride through it, not hit the brakes and do something silly. Um, So I got the motorcycle slowed down and stable. But at that point, I realized I don't want to die. So I call it my scared straight. (laughs) Um, And at that time, it was like, okay, it took me a couple of days to sit down with my wife and go, I'm sorry, but I cannot continue to do this. I have to do something or I'm going to kill myself. Um, the drugs aren't fixing it. Um, and so it was like, well, then I was informed Then we're getting a divorce. I don't want to be a lesbian. Um, and we needed an abortion because we're pregnant again. And, of course, at that point, life crashed. True. I mean, everything that you had that was a stable thing, I told my employer, well, I was invited to leave so I wouldn't ruin his business. Um, so I'm changing jobs, we're selling a house, we're getting a divorce, we're going through an abortion, and I'm quitting drugs. I had a friend who was a, a unemployed pastor that was a mechanic at the shop where I worked, and he was a friend, um, my personal counselor, I guess, at, at, for parts of it, uh, who said, the three hardest things somebody can do, and you're doing all three of them at the same time. What's wrong? How can you do it? How are you that tough? And I said, John, I'm quitting drugs also. And he was flabbergasted. I didn't tell him that we're also getting an abortion. Um, He was just, like, blown over by all of it. Um, and, And it was. It was very hard. I started seeing a psychologist, to help me move forward with the gender issues. Um, and she was the one who said, You can't make decisions like this when you're on drugs. So I started working towards quitting drugs. <laughs> um, yeah, I could lie to her when she'd ask me how I was doing. <laughs> I'm doing great. Haven't had any in five days. You know, well, okay, I did a couple of days ago. I'd sneal a couple of hits out of my stash because you keep stuff hidden away. You're a good liar at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah. You've done it a long time. Um, but I did. It was two days, five days, two weeks. Pretty soon it was like, okay, I'm clean. And and I started moving forward, making those changes. I got a different job. We sold the house. We went our separate ways. I would visit, have visitation with my daughter um. And I was moving forward. Um, and how old were you about this time? Thirty. Okay. Thirty. Yeah, I started at it when I was thirty, on my trip. Probably about thirty. Yeah. Thirty-two. Okay. Thirty-two, because Kara was about two, so I'd be thirty-two at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um. And so I was settling in two a job a different working at a different place i was actually service managing a, a an auto repair facility for a couple of brothers that i knew they owned a car truck shop and i was service managing that um and i was in a house that my father bought that rented to me for nothing daddy was still taking care of me mm-hmm. um and it was like okay we'll settle into this and see if we can't you know work towards the ultimate goal mm-hmm. Um, and I probably would have been back to drugs if I hadn't achieved that goal, but I went to a, uh, a convention for, we call them LBGT now, or whatever, we didn't back then, um, but I went to a convention in Detroit, Michigan, where I met my partner, who was a county officer in Winnebago County, Paula DePau, who was also transgender. Uh, she passed, it's almost 11 years now, from cancer, lung cancer um but uh i met her there we fell in love and at that time i it took about a year of uh less than a year of us seeing each other i would drive up here she would drive down to mattoon and i moved here um she was probably that stable force that kept me from going back to drugs or i would probably have been back there and done something stupid if i hadn't achieved my goal uh she was a person who if there's a goal has a driving force that you cannot stop mm. i mean it's like this person is made out of granite we're going this way and this is it um and she did i mean she was like okay you want to do this we'll we'll do this and and this is where we're heading and we did so, so. In some ways, there's a similarity. You know, you
0: you described it differently with your father. Yes. But Dad was pretty determined. I think you called him uh, <laughs> stubborn and bullheaded. Bullheaded. But bullheaded. Uh, but but there was an element that Paula was similar. We marry our
1: fathers. <laughs> <laughs> some <poor> psych- guys <laughs> marry their moms. <laughs> yes,
0: exactly. So so yes, yeah, some some psychobabble probably came up with that. You yes. Know? Uh, yeah. But but there yes. was something different about Paula than from your father. Yes. And what part was different? Even though the determination was there, and the um, the discipline, and and, and be, there was something also though different, um, because sometimes we do marry a mirror image of mm-hmm. our of our parent, and and then it ends up being just as dysfunctional as it was when we were growing up. But so there must have been something that was different with Paula, besides that she was very driven.
1: I'm not sure what it would be exactly. Okay. Um, I mean, we loved each other. We had a that relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, It just was, uh, uh, and I'm not sure exactly. I think that if my dad understood and knew what it was, he'd probably help me do that too. Mm -hmm. Um, But she didn't have a preconceived. I guess her preconceived notion of, of of what I was wanted to be was what I wanted to be. Uh, whereas my father wanted me to be what every daddy wants his oldest son to be. <laughs> okay. You know, okay. so whereas, you know, um so probably a similar determination. Okay.
0: Okay. A similar focus. But but that piece is huge. What you just said. It was a subtle difference, mm-hmm. but it's it's a huge difference. Yes. Um, and, and I think for for all the parents out there, this is a, an important difference.
1: <laughs> okay. Help. Yes, I get. Yes, yes. Help, help. Don't 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 uh, don't put your child in a box that you think is the box Right, that you created. <laughs> that you create. Yeah. Yes, they have to they have to find their own direction. Yeah. And it's hard to say support that. Um I have tried to be supportive of my daughter whatever she tries to do. She didn't do well in school I didn't either I'm mm-hmm. like sweetie, I get that mm-hmm. you know just find a job something that you can see what you like and and take some time and find what you think yeah. you want to do yeah. Yeah. you know be and curious. Has, you know yeah
0: it's important to i I think there's an element of importance of curiosity and to explore and some people know yes and others don't no, and that's okay and 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 be able to explore I mean like for you you knew that there was a mechanical aspect that you were drawn to
1: I had a talent and, (laughs) and
0: and it came you know, and just like anything that we may have a gift or a talent at, the more that we do it, the better we become, the, the easier it is to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, that may in itself may not be fulfillment, and we may not become passionate about it.
1: No. I'm, I burnt out with that trade. Um, mm-hmm. And at one point, it was like, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to fix cars anymore. I don't like this. It's frustrating. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm beat. Mm-hmm. The computers didn't help me. I'm not good with them. And so my partner, being a cop and into guns, it was like, well, let's start a gun shop. Mm -hmm. So we started a gun shop. And I had that. And, of course, we were two years into the gun shop when she was diagnosed with cancer and passed away rather quickly. Um, But I kept the gun shop going for another 10 years. It was 13 years, whatever, in the gun shop business. Um, I could retire from that. It's provided me enough to retire. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of the joy there was I'm not into um, what a lot of people perceive to be firearms these days. I like the beautiful Browning wooden metal trap guns, skeet guns, sport things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, There's some gorgeous handguns out there Mm -hmm. in older stuff, whatever, that's beautiful. Yeah, there's the black Glocks, the semi automatics, those that everybody buys because they like. I have guys that were really good target shooters that had fun with it. My gun shop turned into its own little um, ministry, I guess. I mean, guys would come in there to buy a gun, but they'd stand and tell you all their troubles. Sure, yeah. you know, so it was a nice, a different change, and it was something other than working on cars. So that was a change in growth, also. Sure. Yeah. When my partner passed away, I had other people that distracted me from that. Sure. Um, so yeah.
0: So I, I kind of fast forward. I. I have, unfortunately, in my, recently, I've had uh, family members, um, friends of, not family members, I'm sorry, friends of our family who have um, had cancer, been diagnosed with cancer, Mm -hmm. going through the cancer. And um, so so you and Paula had been together how long when she was diagnosed with lung cancer? Twenty-two years, or you'd been together twenty-two years. When almost. She was like,
1: well, we've been together twenty-one years.
0: Twenty-one years. We
1: made almost twenty-two.
0: <laughs> okay, so so she was diagnosed, and then yes. and it sounds like a very short time period yes. was the the of having not only from the diagnosis but to her passing. Yes. Um, if there's anything, when you think back about that time period, if there's anything to kind of describe that, what was that? I mean you guys have been together uh, this this was the one this was your one yes and so uh um, yeah tell us a little bit about uh. oh my gosh
1: <laughs> um it <sighs> she'd chain smoke when you were traveling we go to my folks at Christmas time or right after Christmas for whatever be with my folks and and I noticed that she wasn't smoking as much mm. her appetite was down. Mm. Um, when we got home, I fixed a a dinner and she just couldn't eat it. And it's like, I don't know. It all just tastes weird. I'm like, okay. Oh, I didn't understand that. But then she's not eating period. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, you need to go to the doctor. I know. So she went to one, didn't do what they wanted, whatever. She didn't like it. She didn't. So she came home. like, what did they tell you? Well, they don't know yet. So, you know, we're not telling you. Well, finally she got to the point where she was bad enough, malnourished, dehydrated that Valentine's Day, I drove over to the emergency room. Mm. Valentine's Day, we were diagnosed with lung cancer. Mm. Um, the doctor and a nurse came back in the room and she said, I'm afraid that I have to tell you, you have a cancer. We don't know the extent of it. We need to admit you, do the tests, um, find out what's going on. Well, she was diagnosed with small cell lung cancer. It was in her lungs, and there were spots on her liver and a few other places. Mm. So they prescribed the the chemotherapy, the oncologist chemotherapy. They couldn't do surgery. It was too far spread. Um, They were pretty aggressive with the chemo, and she wasn't keeping up with staying hydrated because foods didn't taste good. So they told her that probably 12 months. Mm. Well, she didn't make 12 months. She made three. (laughs) Mm. Um, And on May 21st, she passed that year. So she made about three months, mm-hmm. but she was back in the hospital at that point in time because dehydrated, uh, a blood clot, mm-hmm. blood clots occurred, and then a, a an infection, probably a staph infection also, was more than her body could handle at that point in time. And sure. It was like, you know, this is, you know, she was ready to go at that time and, and let, her, let her be. It was hard. Um, I'm not sure how I kept going forward. I just did. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, yes, I had my year of depression. I'd go to work, do my job, yeah. saw to it that I'm making money and paying the bills, mm-hmm. go home, make a frozen pizza, and drink beer in front of the TV. <laughs> <laughs> go to bed. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, that was my existence for a while. Um, Dave Linforce mm-hmm. was in the gun shop as a gun customer, but he also, he also visited Paula as a friend. We, neither one of us went to church at the time, but Pastor Dave, he'd stop as a friend and visit her. He'd come in and see how I was doing. Um, I'd always see him every couple of weeks, even still, or even until I closed the gun shop, i would he'd come in and see how you're doing. Um, but he came in and he would visit her, and then when she passed, he'd come in and check on me, and I'd lie, I'm doing great. <laughs> <laughs> sure. You know, um, but so it, w- it was hard, you know, losing someone. I mean, it was a, an intense three months of trying to provide care for someone dealing with cancer. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, there are times she couldn't get out of the bathtub, mm-hmm. couldn't get out of the shower. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd help her do that, get dressed, try and make sure she'd try to eat something. Mm-hmm. Please eat something. And then I'd, you know, and I would get up early, so I'd get my own breakfast. I'd stay up late taking care of things at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was it was a hard journey. Sure. But most of my life was was where I wanted it to be for me mm-hmm. at that point in time. So it wasn't like I'm dealing with other issues. Yeah. This is my only thing. Yeah. Um, so the
0: old dragons have been put put to yes. rest. Yeah. Um, yes. But now, now Paul passes. Now. Yes and you're in the, the, the initial stages of grief in, the, in, in this
1: yes. afterwards,
0: <laughs> and, and the world becomes big again, meaning not necessarily in a good way. Um, yeah. You know that, okay. And so I know that um, with Pastor Davis, you know, mm-hmm. checking in with you, and first as a customer and then just yes. as it yeah. became friends, um, there was a level of uh, what well, you started coming to church.
1: I had a big change in my life, another big change in my life. I had, I had had an issue about a year or two after Paula passed away. I had detached retina. I had surgery for that. I had tears in another one. I had stuff for that. About a year later, I had a lung collapse. I was still smoking. <laughs> Some, not as much as I had been, but I was still smoking, and I had a spontaneous pneumothorax. Middle of the night, It collapsed. I mean, I'd had some pain that probably was a preemptive warning, Mm -hmm. um, which you ignore. Don't tell doctors. Don't go see them. Um, And it was like, I'm in in bed, and it's like, man, this really hurts up here, and I got pain over here, and I can't breathe. And I'm like, this must be a heart attack, self-diagnosis. So I'll go take a couple of aspirin. So I crawl my way downstairs to the kitchen, get a couple of aspirin. I do those. I'm sitting on the edge of my bed. And I'm having trouble breathing. And out loud, (laughs) said, God, I need your help. I will tell you there are miracles. (laughs) I swear, he sat down on the bed, put an arm around my shoulders and said, it's okay, I've got you. Did he cure me? No. (laughs) He said, dial 911, stupid. (laughs) (laughs) But it was like, I had a calm come over me at that point that I cannot describe. Mm-hmm. Um, I called 911. <laughs> I got downstairs so I could unlock the door so that they could get in. I called a friend to come close my home for me. I knew he would be up at 1 a.m. playing video games or online doing something, and he came, like one of my adopted kids. And he came over and took care of it, you know, closed my place, saw to that. Um he was a trained first responder, so he got there right behind the city cop that showed up, and he's, he checked my pulses, and he goes, you're not having a heart attack. He says, what they're going to do when they get here, and he said, this is going to happen, that's going to, I'm like, Mike, I'm okay. I'm good. Whatever happens, happens. He's like, okay. So, um, and I was calm as could be mm-hmm. in the hospital, emergency room, everything. When it came to surgery, I'm like, you do what you need to do. Whatever happens is okay. Mm-hmm. I'm good with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't telling people at the time God's got me, but he did mm-hmm. um and so that was my salvation moment, my religious <laughs> awakening okay. um Dave would come in the shop and 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 he invited me to church one time, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. I remember organized religion. I walked out of a church at nineteen because they're being dumb um And I'm like, okay, so he second time he invited me, I'm like, I guess I'll go listen to this. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay, this is the spot that I need to be. Um, Kudos to Bethesda Covenant and that congregation. They were very loving, welcoming, kind of felt like family. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have a lot of friends there now. Mm -hmm. That is my new family. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But it was, it was like, Yes, and so my life changed that way. And even with uh, the advent of a new pacemaker a couple of years ago, I'm okay. You know, whatever's happening is happening. The Lord's taken care of me, whatever direction, and I'm looking for that next step in my in this season of my life. Sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, so it's it's good. Um, I'm very at peace with myself. Um, does suicide go away completely? Don't be fooled. Hmm. I had a situation during the holidays, and I still don't like holidays, um, that it was like someone did something, I upset someone, they made a comment about something, I upset my father. <laughs> <laughs> and he sent me a little letter, a little thing, whatever, and I'm like, well, you know, I could just lay that on the coffee table and put a bullet through my head and that'll show you. And I'm like, devil, you're sneaking in mm. through a crack, aren't mm. you? Get out of my house. Get Mm. behind me, Satan, kind of thing. So it's there, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it it happens. Um, I have coping mechanisms. I remember one of your SOS things about coping mechanisms, Mm -hmm. and people who go through a lot of trouble, they have coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, so all right, I understand this. Mm -hmm. Get out of here. Leave me alone. I'm not going to do this. Mm -hmm. Life is good. Mm -hmm. What happens will happen. It's in God's hands, and Mm -hmm. it'll be okay. Um, I have had no desire to go back to drugs. Mm -hmm. Um. Yes, I like my glass of wine. <laughs> Occasionally, mm-hmm. um. But no, I. It's uh, it's a good balance now. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: You know, I I appreciate when you were saying that. Um. You know, there's certain things you know that are just not okay. Yes. Regardless if it's legal now in Illinois or not. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, it's it's not okay because it's it's similar because it's a different it could be misused as a different type of escape because that that was the mechanism of escape in the past yes and so it could it could fill into and, and then slowly sneak in there and similar and i appreciate you saying that is that even though after that first maybe not the first experience but the experience you told us about when you were riding your motorcycle, and you had that vision mm-hmm. of your daughter, and you didn't want to die, correct. and f- and maybe for the first time in a long time you 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 knew that things had to change, but death was not the way it was going to change.
1: no death is i' I've, I've heard more than one person refer to this as the the temporary or the permanent solution to a temporary problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was in the midst of a temporary problem. Yeah. There's other solutions. Right. Suicide is permanent. Yeah. You cannot fix this broken problem yeah. by doing that. Yeah.
0: And that 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 um what was revealed to you was the legacy that that would leave for yes. everyone left behind, that ripple effect that's left behind yes. and 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 as you've been to different SOS events, you you yes, see no. the pain. Um, that 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 choice is left on on other people um and and then those things in a lot of ways had had there was some liberation some freedom as as you went through the process of of uh, the surgeries and and reassignment and all those aspects but but then once again it was like we joked earlier. It's kind of like um, just because you moved to San Diego and you always wanted to move to San Diego doesn't mean that you didn't happen to show up in San Diego. <laughs> there's still, True. you know, there's yes. still going to be, um, there's still going to be an aspect. There's going to be still some dragons and some demons that you have to face. Oh yes, and and you know, with your relationship with Paula and all the things that you discovered about yourself in that relationship, mm-hmm. that um, maybe. Uh, because of how she is,
1: yes, <laughs>
0: that there was no hiding, <laughs> no, and um, and then having again that, I think that I think you said it that awakening um, on the side of the bed, yes, that it didn't have to do with anybody else or anything else except you and God, that's
1: right, yes
0: that's different that was it that was a different that's something different right
1: very very different because
0: now we can't rationalize away no that it's oh no some psychological trick or some other thing no this this was and and again similar to something you said earlier is that it's real hard to explain that experience
1: oh and it, it's so hard
0: um and because someone who's had the experience like myself I know exactly what
1: Yes. What that was. Yes.
0: But I don't have any w- more words for it than you do.
1: I know. <laughs> it's it's indescribable. It is very hard to describe. Mm-hmm. You just cannot. Uh, I was talking to someone while well, we had the Heart Prince meeting on sa- Saturday, and I was you know sharing some things. I said, you know, it's bigger than falling in love <laughs> the mm-hmm. first time. Mm-hmm. It really is. I mean, it's like the first time I've, when I really, really fell in love, it was like this is total woo-hoo, mm-hmm. glorious bliss, you know. Um, it was better than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bigger than that. Yeah. Deeper than that. It just, oh, golly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, to feel that love at a deeper level and then peace come at the same time. Yes. And in the midst of everything else – So to speak, burning it down around you, you know, but it's going to be okay.
1: I'm dying, but that's all right.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) you know, and and
0: and that wasn't being suicidal. No, that that wasn't even that wasn't death ideation. That wasn't any of that.
1: All out of my control. Yes, yeah, but
0: but that element of peace and similar to when you described to me yesterday, when I asked you about, you know, uh, retiring and closing the Mm -hmm. shop, and closing that chapter of, of your life, that it's okay. Um, I'm just open for, I'm open to the next chapter.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: So, so Jerry, I so, uh, appreciate you coming in Thank and, <laughs> and being in not only being vulnerable and, and sharing your story, mm-hmm. um, but sharing, sharing your journey of, of those different time periods of pain and oh, naming that pain, yeah, yeah. but then also, um, your experience of, um, of peace. Thank your you. experience yeah. with God, um, yes. who you came to understand versus what was originally um, put on you.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, that original, yeah, this is yeah. this, yeah. No, yeah. It, This is. it's good. Yeah. It's, it's very good. So
0: for anybody um, listening,
1: what would you want to leave them with as we're wrapping up today? Oh, my goodness. Stay open-minded. Whatever you think is happening to you, stay open-minded. If your loved one's close to you, don't share that and can't understand it. Try and find someone who will. Mm-hmm. Most pastors will listen to you. <laughs> if they don't, they know someone who will. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah.
0: Sure. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kevin. For being here, <laughs> and thank you for, again, uh, sharing your story. Um, as we've been talking with Jerry um, about her journey in life and, and that inner inner turmoil that she experienced at a very young age, and though she um, wanted it to go away and uh, wanted to ignore it, um, it wasn't until she crossed over that um, that chasm and was able to face some of those dragons and demons, which be, then began the journey of some peace. Um, thank you for being with us uh, this week, and I look forward to being with you next week.